following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm speaking tonight from the Old Corn, is Canaan, uh, Old Corn of Canaan series. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 5 verse 12, And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. So when they ate the old corn, when they ate the, the, the product of Canaan, the manna stopped. God said, no more manna. It's time for you to have wells and houses and vineyards, and there's no more manna. You're going to eat this from now on. And so I just think that this is another level that we want to take the church to in 2021. And what a joy to have you back from pandemic. There's folks that's come back tonight that we had not seen in the last 15 months. Wow. And I'm speaking tonight, no cancellation by classification. Now, that's a long word, and, and I had to look in the dictionary to see how to spell them. But years ago, God gave me this. This is some old corn that I'm going to bring to you. This is things that I've loved to preach in the past, and I want to preach it to the congregation of the present. This was preached to this congregation in 2006. We were building the children's building next door in 06, and I felt like bringing this gospel to the people in 06. I'm going to read this text from the message version. I must have been thinking uniquely and different that night, but I'm going to use the same text. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, the message version. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like, like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought. Even though it's only lately at the end of the age become public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrificed Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you trust God and that you know you have a future in God. That's good news. God bless you. You may be seated. Demographic experts say that there are 7.9 billion people on planet Earth right now. And 385,000 of them were born last night. 140 million will be added this year. And by 2056, with the deaths as well as the birth, there will be over 10 billion people on this planet called Earth. That's a lot of labor pains, mama, a lot of stretch marks. Yet not a single one of them has the same DNA or the same fingerprint. That means God, with his awesome creativity, has produced in you an individual that cannot be duplicated. You're a unique specimen. There will never be another person just like you. You need to look at your spouse or your neighbor and not say it's good to meet an original because you're not a copy. God does not do sameness. You see, agreement and unity requires diversity. Thank God we are different. If any two of us were identical, one of us is unnecessary. And I'd hope that would be you and not me. You're unique. There's not another you. So unity plus diversity equals maturity. In 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks of the diversity of the body. Many members, yet one body. 
So the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Members that seem more feeble are so necessary also. God gives abundant honor to the parts that lack. And people should have the same care for all. So why did God create all of us differently? He wanted to teach us the principle of scarcity. We're scarce. Scarcity. Economists tell us that the value of something is determined by how rare it is. And the scarcer something is, the more value is placed on it. You know, we put asphalt on our parking lots because it's not rare. And we drive on it all the time. But if we were to pave our parking lots with gold, it would not be here in one night. They'd be here picking it up and taking it away and saying, thank you, church, for the blessing. And everybody would come and take it because gold is as rare and it's a high valuable commodity. All is valuable. And diamonds are precious because you cannot find them everywhere. So God made you unique and irreplaceable because he doesn't want you to lose your value. You are scarce. And don't let the enemy devalue you through events and through negative thoughts and demeaning words that break your spirit and cause you to bail out of relationships with God and with church and responsibilities and even life itself. You are not worthless. You are worthy. Here's some shocking statistics. And I hate to use these because I know we have young people sitting here. But self-inflected life uh, uh, death is the leading cause of death for 15 to 23-year-olds. That's alarming. According to the Center for Disease Control, 80,000 deaths took place last year. 10% of the 800,000 deaths last year in that age bracket. And that number is more than homicides in the United States, which means there are more people taking their lives than people that are being, having their lives taken. Simply because they felt hopeless and they felt valueless. So I want to ask you, how valuable are you? How valuable are you? Well, you're as valuable as the price God paid to buy you back. That's how valuable you are. Jesus didn't die to make you valuable. Jesus died to prove the value of your worth to him. Amen. Hallelujah. You were worth Calvary. Put your hand on your heart and say, I was worth Calvary. And in my worst days of failure and blunders, I'm still valuable to God. It's time to quit talking bad about yourself. It's time to quit calling yourself words that you don't need to hear other people say. You don't need to say that to yourself. Tell yourself you have a great value to God. And when God made you, he made good thing, a good thing in you. Ask God to permanently damage your ignorance is what I'm saying. Because you are a good thing. Come on, put your hand and say, I'm a good thing. The wealthiest spot on the planet, folks, and on the earth is not the oil fields of the Middle East nor the diamond fields of South Africa, but it's a cemetery. Buried there are books that were never written and dreams that were never fulfilled and inventions that were never created and ideas that never happened and visions that never became reality, songs that were never sung and great businesses that were never built and great churches and ministries that were buried. 
Buried there are people who have died to the awesome dream of God in their hearts. The phenomenal power of potential is buried there. And that's why I've chosen this subject tonight and I'm teaching this way tonight. Jesus' mandate to the church was to heal the sick, touch hurting people, cast out the devils, and raise the dead. Now, he's not just talking about people who have physically died, although he can do that as well. When we think about raising the dead, we need also to consider the awesome privilege and power of the church to raise the spiritually dead and the emotionally dead and the dream dead people. Get your dream back in 2021. Hell tried to take it from you in 2020, but it's a new day and we can dream again and we can believe again and we can hope again because God loves this church. People who have died to their talent, potential, vision, purpose, destiny, and value to people. The only agency on earth that has the power and the privilege to raise the dead is the church. Governments can't do that. Economists can't do that. You can be a Republican, Democrat, or one of those independents, or one of those people on the Green Party, wherever you want to be. But only the church can raise the spiritually and emotionally dead by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why you need to give your church a hand clap right now and thank God for the church. Come on. See, God alone knows what's inside of us. So what do you call the wealth that buried in a cemetery? To call the wealth that's buried in a cemetery, you call it potential. I'm going to speak on that tonight, potential. Potential is untapped things. Potential is dormant ability. Potential is unused strength. Potential is hidden power. Potential is unused success and undiscovered wealth. Potential is power not being used yet. God is a God of potential. Are they staying with me back here? That means that God hides power. It exists, but it's hidden. So if potential is always that which is not seen, then potential is who you really are, but nobody can see it yet. Oh, I'm going to unlock some potential here tonight in the next 10 or 15 minutes. Potential is what you can really do that you haven't done yet. Potential is how far you can go, but you haven't gone yet. Potential is how much you can accomplish, but you haven't accomplished it yet. Potential is never what you have done. It is what you could do that you haven't done yet. Now, if you're already done something, God's not interested in that. Because God is a God that moves forward. And what you've already done doesn't require faith on your part. And because he's a God of potential, the minute you accomplish something, God wants you to take it a step further and go a step higher and say, let's go someplace else. Paul said, whatever is not of faith is sin. Hebrews 11 said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Say it, without faith. It's impossible to please God. Folks, we've been put on this planet called earth to live a life pleasing to God and not necessarily pleasing to ourselves. We're living in a time when the creature though, according to the book of Romans, is being more loved and worshiped than the creator. 
I hope that doesn't happen in this church ever, especially in my, my time here with you. Our choices in life are usually preferences and not God's will. John 8 and 29 in the King James said, and he that sent me is with me. Jesus said, the father has not left me alone for I do always those things that please him. Why don't we quote this together? And he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone for I do always those things that please him. Many unanswered prayers is a result of a lifestyle that is unpleasing to God. For some of us, our worst enemy is not the devil. It's our own comfort. You don't need faith to maintain your present accomplishments. But without faith, God is not pleased. So we need to increase our giving level on every level. We need to increase our compassion. We need to increase our hospitality. We need to increase our ministry level. And Ephesians 3 and 20 said, Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. If I don't quote that about 10 or 12 times a year, I'm not preaching to you. That is where I live. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To think that the power of the almighty omnipotent God is in me and it's in you overwhelms me. And why would I want to live like a pygmy or a lilliputian or one of those little creatures? This word says we are limited by what we can ask or think, which means that no matter how hot you think you are or how cool you think you are, God says you ain't seen nothing yet, boy. Just keep believing. I'm telling you, it's not the sky's the limit. It's where God has us going that's the limit. Do you know, folks, that they discovered a brand new planet the other day? God's still creating stuff right now. And if he's doing that, you think he's dead still and stop and say, just hold on till I come? No. He said, I got something inside of you that's greater than any force outside of you. And you have potential to be what I want you to become. Oh, yeah. Because I'm not able... I am able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. That's what we're saying. We think too small, we ask too small. And here's what Jesus said. To be satisfied with mediocrity and buried with normalcy is failure. And this may shock you, but God did not give birth to you for you to be normal. <laughs> I think I was the first ADD child. I really do. I think I was the first ADD child. I got so many spankings. I don't want to say whippings because mom and daddy would turn over in their grade if I said they whooped me. But I got so many spankings going on trips and saying, are we there yet? <laughs> I want to get there. God does not want you to be normal. He wants you to be extra normal. The Bible tells us that God is omnipotent. Say it, omnipotent. Look at this. Omni means all. It also means always. And potent means power and might and strength and majesty and energy. Omnipotent. The only one person who has ever ascribed this attribute and it is God. He's all powerful. He's almighty. He's always. He's full of power, energy and strength. So it means that God is always full of potential. Always. 
This means that all that God has done is not all that he can or will do. He's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. Amen. Remember, potential is never what you have done, but what you could do that you haven't done yet. You know, folks, God has created the galaxies and the Hubble spacecraft has uncovered 60 billion such galaxies and we're still counting. And there are millions of planets and stars in each of those galaxies and God created them all. And when I think about that many, my mind can't hardly comprehend it. And when he said it is finished being the omnipotent God, there was a still lot that he hasn't done yet. Listen, we haven't seen the best of him yet because the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. Amen. Man, we Christians ought to be the most optimistic people on planet earth because we have a birthright into all the promises of God. John 1 and 3 said, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Now listen to me. If everything was created by God, then before they were made, where were they? They were in him. They were in God. Stay with me now. I'm going I'm to get a little deep. Get your scuba gear on here now. They were in him. So there was a time when there was nothing but God. Before all things were, he says, I am. So think about God before anything was. Standing on nothing by the corner of nowhere. And imagine God with everything inside before anything was. And now if you met God on the corner of nowhere on the sea of nothing and you shook hands with him, you'd be shaking hands with everything pre-creation. But you wouldn't know it because it was still potential. Mm. And that's the problem with the human race. We don't know who we're shaking hands with at church. Say, you don't have a clue who I am. You don't have a clue what God's working on in my life. When you shake hands with people, when I shake hands with folks coming in that door, I don't know if I'm shaking hands with the next astronaut, the next scientist, the next person that's going to bring a, a, a healing to situations in life. I don't know, but I know I'm shaking hands with potential. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, I don't have an education. That don't stop your potential. I didn't come from the right family. That don't stop your potential. If you only knew my past, hush, that's not your potential. You've judged yourself that way for too long. It's time to say, God, you're with me and I can do all things through Christ. Oh yeah. See, you don't know that God's put in the person beside you. You don't know what that treasure is that's been put in that earthen vessel, that problem child, that cantankerous relative, or that unruly employee has more potential in them than what meets the eye. That's why you shouldn't cancel anybody. Anybody, because you don't know what's in them that's yet to come out of them in the form of potential. One of life's greatest tragedies is canceling people before their full potential is released. 
the brother you break fellowship with could be the one that God has set up for your deliverance or your healing. He could be your next business partner or the person to loan you the money to finance your next project. But you see, we cancel people based on their past failures. But listen, they are more than their past failure. They have potential to do more than what they've already done. Everybody say no cancellation by classification. I love this story. It's a funny story. CNN did an interview with General Tommy Franks who headed up the Gulf War several years ago and he was telling the story how he had recently met one of his college professors and Franks had dropped out of, out of college to join the military and this professor had made the statement to Franks when he left college that he was not the sharpest knife in the drawer and probably wouldn't amount to much of anything in life. <laughs> and when his professor met him, Later, he said, I can't believe that you're a commander in chief of the Allied forces in America. And Frank said, well, it's just a great country, isn't it, Prof? Just a great country. I'm here to tell you, no, it's a great God. It's a great God. Because we judge people's failures and God judges their potential. We look at what they have been and God says, don't go there. Let me put something in them and let me show you what they have inside. Come on, clap your hands for yourself and somebody else. This Bible is a book of potential. It's about God collecting human rubbish and waste. God is an expert garbage collector. What the world throws away, God salvages restores and uses in building his kingdom. He takes out sin-wrecked lives and puts them back together and then uses them for his glory. And every time humanity throws someone away, God tries to catch them, take them home and work in their lives because he knows what he's gonna put in each and every one of them and what's already there. Calvary was the greatest salvage operation of mankind. It really was. God didn't die just to do something good. He died to salvage that good thing that he invested in you when he created you. Amen. What you're carrying inside is more important than his death. Did you hear that? What you're carrying inside is more important than his death because God doesn't make junk. Amen. It's all about your value. You know, most people don't show up in life so all I'm asking this church to do is show up, stand up, and be counted for. Used to have an old guitar picker that played with Willie Nelson and Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimmy LaFave and all those boys, and he used to play on the stage. He taught this young man to play the guitar, and he taught the little young one over here to play the guitar. And he, I think he taught Josh Cardenas how to play the drums, he, though he wasn't a drummer. He's no longer here. He moved away, but I'm still in contact with him. And I remember when, when he got saved, I remember when he, he came into the church, he came to me the next day, he said, so I get this. Here's what we need to do. We need to get up, suit up and show up so God can show out. I said, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Hey, you can't go wrong coming here and being fed by the word of the Lord and hearing the music that you heard tonight. I tell you what, I, I just about, you know what, folks, I, I, I'm, I'm from an old-timey church that used to dance around a little bit every now and then. 
and, uh, and, 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 and mom and daddy wouldn't let me do much of that because they didn't want me to be a nut, you know. But man, tonight when those kids were singing, I felt the God of heaven in my soul. And it blessed me beyond measure, beyond measure, beyond measure. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy we get that kind of music. Who would have thought a guy on easy street living a palace life in Egypt by the name of Moses, who became a murderer, would write the first five books of the Bible? It's a shame that people's reputation becomes more important than their potential. Can I tell you something, folks? Folks in this building that's sitting with you today, some of them's come out of prison. Some of them's come out of bad cases in prison. Some of them have walked away from drug houses, flop houses. Some have walked away from alcohol dens. Some have walked away from the worst sin you could ever imagine. Sixth Street is like Sunday school out of what they walked out of. But they're sitting here today because we didn't hold their past against them, but we saw the potential in them. Come on now, come on now. Reputation cannot destroy God's potential because God says his gifts and callings are irrevocable. You can mess up a lot in life, but you cannot invalidate the gifts and callings of God. A lot of stuff we know about you isn't the real you. And when people saw Moses, they saw a killer, they saw a fugitive, but God saw a deliverer. <laughs> this whole book is filled with stuff that you wouldn't want to go to church with. Come on now. You wouldn't want to go to church with them because there's bad dudes. There's some bad people in this Bible. But when we saw bad, God saw good. And God used their life to be something good. Can I teach a little bit tonight? We don't want to throw you away in this house. We want God to put his potential in you like never before and let you see what is in there and let it come out and grow and let you be what God wants you to be and not what hell is trying to make you be. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Who would have seen in this killer the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Lying inside this murder was the total embodiment of moral law known to mankind. Listen, we don't need to cancel anybody. God's like the incubator demands potential. He warms you, heals you, and loves you unconditionally until potential's birthed in you. So don't ever write yourself or anybody else off because the fat lady ain't going to sing until God's had the last crack at it. I believe that. I believe that. So what's in you? Don't let labels limit you. Consider this. David is king of Israel. He's king of Israel. But he can also write music. How you like that? And sing and play a harp. And he's also pretty tough with a slingshot. Here's the great political leader of a nation that's also a great musician. Don't say you're just a, well, I just, I just remodel homes. I, you know, I just work at the bank and, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot. No, no, no. That's what you do. It's not who you are. Jesus was a carpenter. <laughs> but that wasn't who he was. He was the son of God and the savior of the world. Oh, I feel like talking right now. God looked at a coward. God looked at a coward one day named Gideon 
But you know what God called him? A mighty man of valor. That's what God called him, who would save a nation. God comes to him and he's covered down and he's hiding and he's in total fear, but God sees his potential and begins to incubate it and calls those things which are not as though they were. Hail Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon probably thinks, that's crazy. Listen, God doesn't address you based on your history, but on your future and on what is inside of you. Mm, mm, mm. There's a beautiful story that portrays the genuine love. I'm, I'm just about finished. Randy, if you could help me. I think I just hit minute number 27. Some of you say, no, that's 29. Some say 32. Well, I'm not finished yet, but I'm fixing to finish. I want to give you a beautiful story. It portrays the genuine love of God toward those who turn from their wicked ways to worship and obey him. Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house. He was there for a short time and a woman from town came in to worship him. The only problem in the eyes of others was that she was labeled as the town harlot. The religious leaders marveled that Jesus would allow her to carry on in such a way. They passed judgment on her, passed actions, but was unable to see her heart after God had touched her. And this town harlot was more than just that because she had the potential to change and fulfill divine destiny, and she did. See, when we classify and label people, we're sinning against them and we're sinning against God. You know what this sermon's really about? Quit judging people. And let God do his work in their life. Did you know that your long-term thoughts about a person are developed in the first 30 seconds of contact? I read that. I researched that. We look at a person and without realizing it, we're judging their dress, their speech, their mannerisms, and then label them or classify them in whatever way we feel appropriate. That's wrong. In 1884, I closed with this story tonight. A young man died. And after the funeral, was, his grieving parents decided to establish a memorial to him and with that in mind, they met with Charles Elliott, the president of Harvard University. And Elliott received the unpretentious couple into his office and asked what he could do for them. And after they expressed their desire to fund a memorial, Elliott impatiently said, by looking at them, perhaps you have a scholarship in mind, not a memorial. We were thinking of something more substantial, said the mother, perhaps a building. In a patronizing tone, Elliot brushed aside the idea as being too expensive and the couple departed disappointed because he wouldn't take their money for a memorial. And the next year, Elliot learned that this plain pair had gone elsewhere and established a $26 million memorial named Leland Stanford Junior University, better known today as Stanford University. Charles Elliot was guilty of the 30-second rule. He sized this couple up in 30 seconds and forfeited $26 million memorial that Harvard could have had and the name Leland Stanford on it. Lesson, when we label or classify people, we rob ourselves of the potential benefit they can be to us and to the kingdom of God. F.B. Meyer once said, a preacher, that when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are two things we do not know. 
first, we don't know how hard he or she tried not to sin. And second, we do not know the power of the forces that assailed him or her to get them to sin. The motivation of Matthew chapter seven is not to take the beam that is in your eye out so you can clearly remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Rather, it's God's desire that you remove that beam that's in your eye that you leave the speck removal business to your brother because only God is completely impartial. We're not. Romans 2 and 11 says there's no partiality with God. So James says it this way, speak no evil of no man. Do you realize that there is so much more good news than there is bad news when you get on this Jesus bandwagon? Everybody's got a somebody done me wrong song. Everybody's got that. Pastor, you just, oh God, it's just been so bad. I can't, I can't even talk. But do you realize what Christ has done for you? He's forgiven your sins. He's buried them in the depth of the sea. Remember them no more. He's removed your confessed sins as far as the east is from the west. He'll never take inventory of your past confessed sins. He never remembers them. He doesn't label you by your last failure, but he sees you in your unlimited potential to be everything he designed and created you to be. And not only that, but he calls you by a name that has no reference to your past, but only to your future. That's what God does. A brother that is embezzled funds, we call him a thief. A sister who's had an unlawful affair, we call her bad names. But God looks beyond their last failure and calls them righteous and holy. God looks at Rahab, a madam of harlots, just to make it contemporary. But what God sees in Rahab is the womb that would carry the seed of the messianic bloodline. She was in the lineage. So don't label people. Don't cancel people. No cancellation. No cancellation. Everybody matters. That's about all I got. Clap your hands for the word tonight. And here's what I want us to do in closing. I want you, I want you to act, act like you're grabbing those words from the air and just put them in your spirit right now. Just come on, grab them and put them in your spirit. I know this is just, it's an exercise, but we're gonna do it. We're gonna grab those words. We're gonna clutch them, put them in our spirit because we're not gonna let our yesterday destroy our potential for tomorrow. God is for us. 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 He was a grace man that put his arm around me that told me that I would, I would do noble things in the kingdom. And that man was not living a proper life. But he put his arms around me at a church camp and said, you will do noble things. I still don't understand what noble means in that, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that area. But whatever noble is, I want to find the N, the O, the B, the L, and the E. Because I want God to let my potential continue to be released till he takes me out of here.
we are not looking at your scabs. We're looking at what God can make you be. And he's got great God and got a great future for all of us. That's old corn here tonight. Stand to your feet and raise your hands and say, Lord, I receive your word tonight. I receive your word tonight. I receive it. 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 Amen. And if anybody's got 26 million, you're the finest person in the history of the church. Come on, come see me. I love you. <laughs> How could Mr. Elliot be so blind to not even check on the fact that these folks might have something that they wanted to do right? Come on, people. Let's don't judge people. Let's don't, let's don't cancel people. Let's don't cancel them. Let's let people live and breathe and have their being in God in this house. I, pray, I bless you tonight. Dear Father, I bless this congregation. I thank you for them. I thank you for the joy of getting to preach the gospel to them. And I'm honored, God, to be here tonight and be their pastor. And God, I wish every father that's not going to be here Sunday a happy Father's Day and, and every, every wife of those husbands and if they're a single father, I bless them. If they're a married dad, I bless them. And God bless their children and bless their children's children if they're grandfathers. And I bless this congregation. I bless them. God, you only know how much I love this people and this church. You only know that. But I try to convey to these people every time I speak to them how much they mean to the cause of Christ and to this world. Let us be witnesses. Let us take the gospel that we hear tonight and share it with others. That we're not going to judge them with the 30-second rule, but we're going to give them an opportunity to have the potential of God released in their life. For it's in Christ's name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Say amen. amen. And one more time, amen. amen. Clap your hands real big. You're the most beautiful people. I love you folks online. I love you. You're beautiful people. Have a super night. Take your time leaving. We'll see you Sunday. I love you. God bless. You're awesome. Have a great night. Sing it.